Good morning. He is risen. I feel like the lights aren't on me. Is that correct? Yeah. I feel like I'm in the dark. Well, that's pretty normal, actually. I'm uh, kind of in the dark a lot. My name is Steve Murphy. I'm one of the uh, ministers here at Discover. It's uh, so great to see you here on this Resurrection Sunday when Jesus rose from the grave. And we want to thank you for being here, uh, whether you're checking us out online or whether you're here in the building. Um, If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to get there in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd love to give you one um, out in the lobby. Just pop over to the Welcome Center. In fact, if you're a guest and you've never been to the Welcome Center, we'd love for you to stop there. promise it's just a couple of minutes. Um, We can give you a gift, including a free drink at our Global Cafe, and uh, just learn a little bit more about you. You can find out more about the church, so uh, please feel free to do that. You may notice that some people are using their, their phones. Our assumption is that they're using that for their Bible. However, they may be playing some game or uh, texting. I really don't know, but we're going to trust that we're all um, getting to Luke chapter 7. Today is a great day. It's Easter. It's Easter. And uh, this is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And, and really, Resurrection Sunday is a better term for it as Christians, but it's all good. It's all good. To some people, though, this is like one of the best days of the year. They just love Easter. For some other people, honestly, even though it's Resurrection Sunday, it still feels a little bit like Burial Saturday. On Good Friday, hope died when Jesus died. And on Saturday, when Jesus was in the tomb, it seemed that God was silent. God seemed distant and inactive. At the end of what we call the the Old Testament, God was silent for 400 years. God did not speak through prophets, through miracles, nothing. It was like they were living 400 years of Saturdays over and over and over. It was like Groundhog Day. (laughs) But as Jim shared last week, when Jesus was in the tomb, God was very much at work. And during those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament, God was very much at work orchestrating the events of the region to prepare for the coming of Jesus. Right now, you might be facing a frustrating time, a Saturday kind of time. And we want to recognize that, and we want to pray for you this morning. We want to use the the very words that God has spoken to us as a prayer of thanksgiving and hope back to him. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these words from your word, the Bible, and we offer them back in thanksgiving and hope. You have told us these things. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are wasting away, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. What shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God, remind us that even though we walk through the difficulties of Saturday, Resurrection Sunday is coming. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Imagine this headline, unexpected life changes everything. Think of it relating to a a space probe that's gone out and has discovered outside of our solar system life on another planet. Or think of it related to a young girl. She's in her early teens. She was abandoned as a child. She's been bouncing from foster home to foster home, difficult situation to difficult situation. She's been praying for a forever home. And just when she has given up hope, knowing that there must be something wrong with her, hope, life sweeps in, and a family says, we choose you. Think of it related to a man on death row who knows he is innocent, but no one would believe him. And five days before his execution, new evidence comes to light, and he is exonerated unexpected life. It changes everything. Mary Magdalene, Peter, John, and others experienced the thrill of unexpected life when Jesus rose, as Noah read for us earlier. Those words were an eyewitness account of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus by one of his friends, one of his disciples, John. And it's very common on on an Easter Sunday for us to use the end of one of the Gospels to talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and that makes sense. But today I want to do something a little different. I would like for us to go back to Luke chapter 7, to the time far earlier than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the reason for this is I want us to understand that Resurrection and hope and life is not just something that Jesus delivers to us once. It's not just an Easter thing. It's a celebration all the time. 
God is all about bringing life and hope where there was death and hopelessness. This is the story of an unnamed boy, the only son of an unnamed widow in a very obscure town mentioned exactly one time in the Bible in this story. It's the only place we find it. But in it, we find the account of Jesus bringing life, bringing hope. Let's start in Luke chapter 7, and we'll read uh, starting in verse 11. Soon afterward, and afterward is going to point to something we'll talk about in a minute, but soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. This widow has already experienced the pain of losing her husband. And now she is living a parent's worst nightmare. Her son is dead. She would do absolutely anything to take his place, but she can't. And now each morning, she's going to wake up facing grief and pain. And her pain is not just emotional pain, it's physical. Women were some of the most marginalized people in the first century, and being a widow made her situation that much more desperate. Her son was her life, figuratively, figuratively, but also literally. When he died, her income died with him. And it gets worse. Through some strange interpretation of what they thought was right, the religious leaders in that time said, because of Eve, Because of a woman, death came into the world. And so, woman, you have to walk in front of the funeral procession. So not only does she have the grief and the sorrow and the pain of losing her son, she has the humiliation of being told it's your fault. It's because of you, woman, that death came into the world. Can you imagine And though there are people on every side, she feels absolutely alone. But she's not alone. When her darkness just cannot get any dark, light appears. A stranger walks up to her And with the most compassionate eyes she has ever seen, he says, don't cry. To be really honest, those words could be interpreted as kind of careless. I mean, if someone is grieving the loss of their son, what kind of sense does it make for you to go up to them and say, don't cry? I mean, death is is real. And mourning is part of who we are. 
And to say, don't cry doesn't make any sense. Unless you can take away the source of her pain, of her sorrow, of her grief. And that's exactly what this stranger, Jesus, is about to do. Jesus, just as he said to Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus died in John chapter 11, and and we really need to spend a couple of weeks in that sometime, maybe a month. It's just a great chapter. But Jesus said to Mary and Martha the same kind of thing he says to this mother. Don't worry. I've got this. And the mother and the son and the crowd, all of us are about to see who Jesus really is. Let's pick it up in verse 14. Then Jesus went up and touched the beer or the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. When Jesus touches this plank, the beer as they called it, he is by law making himself unclean. The corruption of that dead body was transferred to him. But we're not talking about just any person here. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus has the power to reverse things. And when he touches that coffin, that plank, he pushes back death and decay with unexpected life. Right before Jesus raised this boy, he healed a servant who was sick. And that's amazing in and of itself. Jesus simply spoke, and the servant, the disease was gone, and health replaced it. Jesus pushed those things away. Healing that servant kind of reminds me of like seeing this big boulder. It's very round and it's very fast and it's rolling down a hill. And it's going toward a a precipice, to a cliff. And someone runs in and stands in front of the boulder and stops it. And everyone goes, wow, that was awesome. But if that's like healing somebody, then resurrection might be like this. The boulder runs to the edge of the cliff and it falls off. And the person jumps off the cliff. And 10 seconds later, comes floating back up, holding the boulder, and takes it and lays it gently on the ground. And we would say, I don't think so. (laughs) I did not just see that. Nice CGI, that was really cool computer effects, or David Copperfield was around somewhere. But that kind of stuff cannot happen. You're right, it can't happen. No person could do that. But again, we are not talking about a person. We are talking about Jesus. We're talking about Jesus who came from heaven to give us life. Jesus can reverse death. Jesus can push away sin and give us hope and life. 
So trust him. You may need to be patient. It, it may be Saturday still, but Sunday is on the way. Jesus reverses death and sin, and Jesus was raised to life himself. And he raised this young man to life. Now, to be really honest, you might be thinking, you know, those are good stories, but I don't necessarily believe that those are true. I mean, you're talking about things that seem impossible. I just can't really believe them. Well, I would encourage you to investigate the resurrection of Jesus for yourself. If you, if you think it's not true, go look. Go study the evidence. Lee Strobel is a man who was a, a, a Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, award-winning um, investigative journalist for the Chicago Tribune. Big deal. Big deal. And he decided he was going to change the world and disprove the resurrection of Jesus. And so he set out on this quest. Complete atheist, said there's no such thing as God. Started doing his investigative journalism. And he discovered the exact opposite. He found all the evidence points to the reality that Jesus rose from the grave and that Jesus is alive. And his movie, a movie about his life called The Case for Christ, is in theaters right now. I just really encourage you to see it. Obviously, someone coming back to life would be fantastic news, right? And the people then were as amazed as we would be today. Verse 16, they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread through Judea and the surrounding country. These two verses contain three life-giving statements. Let's look at them briefly. The first one is, a great prophet has appeared among us. The people recognize reality. Jesus is not just some guy. He reminded them of the prophets of hundreds of years ago. And many people today agree with this general idea that Jesus was, you know, a, a good teacher, a moral leader, maybe even a great prophet. In fact, some uh, world religions will say, yeah, Jesus was a prophet. But the next statement, the next thing that people say is not so universally accepted in our world. They said God has come to help his people. Yes, Jesus is a prophet, but he's much more than that. Jesus is God in the flesh. And the people are right when they say, God has come to help his people. To be honest, they probably were using that phrase, which had been used, again, hundreds of years before speaking of some of the prophets. Thinking of someone like Elijah or Elisha, who both had raised people from the dead. But Luke is painting a picture. He starts for the very first time in this passage to reveal something very important, that Jesus is God in the flesh, God among us. In verse 13, Luke uses the word Lord when he's talking about Jesus. 
Now, at times, that's simply used as a title of respect or authority, but very frequently in the Bible, that exact word is used for God. And here, that's exactly what Luke is saying. He is Lord. Old Testament, Yahweh, Jehovah, God. God has come to help his people by becoming a man. And because of that, God can help. Unexpectedly, God can turn Saturday or Friday into Sunday. This grieving widow had no hope. Jesus told her not to cry and brought life from death. At the tomb where Jesus was buried, Mary came and was mourning for him. And Jesus wiped her tears away. And he called her by name. Jesus turns mourning into joy. Death into life. Jesus turns goodbye into hello. Understandably, the news about Jesus spread. I'm amazed that Someone can take the paddles, and if someone dies, they can take the the paddles and and shock a person, and their heart begins to beat again. It, It seems miraculous to me. But this boy's heart had stopped beating not a few seconds ago, not a few minutes ago, not even a few hours ago. This boy was dead, dead, dead. And Jesus restarts his heart and heals whatever it was that killed him. And it happens when he says, get up. That is truly miraculous. And the people were in awe. Some people say they were gripped with fear. They had never seen anything like this. This was truly remarkable. This was truly awesome. And when they realized what had happened, they had to respond somehow. What did they do? Did they run and hide in fear? No, they did just the opposite of that. They saw absolute death, the one thing that they would all face, the one thing they all feared. And they saw Jesus simply speak and reverse it. And they can't stop talking about what Jesus did and who Jesus is. It's incredible news. And incredible news, whether it's good or bad, has a tendency to be spread. Last week, Sergio Garcia won the Masters. Someone in this room was there, I know. I want to talk to you about it. And whether you think that was good news, like you're a fan of Sergio, or whether you thought, oh man, I don't like him, it was kind of bad news to you, it was news and it spread. In fact, people all over the world saw that. Jesus won the battle over sin and death. And it changes absolutely everything. The message to the widow, to her son, 
to the people there that day, to us. The message on Easter is that life defeats death. Death loses. Well, that's nice. That's the thing we expected to hear. It's Easter after all. I mean, that's the message. We hear it every time we're here for Easter. It's pretty much the same thing. The real question is this. So what? So what? How does any of this apply to our lives 2,000 years later? How does this make a difference today or Tuesday? Well, God gives you the freedom to decide that for yourself. If this is just a made-up story, if Jesus wasn't a great prophet, if Jesus, Jesus wasn't God in the flesh who came to help us, if Jesus didn't die to take away our sins, if Jesus didn't rise again to defeat death, then so what? I mean, honestly, why are we even here this morning? Why are we wasting our time? But if this is true, like the people, we have to respond. If this is true, it's not, so what? It's, so what? Now what? What should we do? The very first people who heard the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus asked that same question. And Peter, who absolutely blew it, one of Jesus' followers, who turned his back on him during his greatest time of need, who actually cursed and said, I don't know the man, and ran away, that guy, Peter, was restored. So if you think there's something that you've done that can never be forgiven, stop that. That's a lie from Satan. You can be forgiven. This same Peter is the guy who answers that question, so what do we do with this? What do we do with the fact that Jesus died for my sins? That I am responsible? Peter said, simply, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and your sins will be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that, there's a word in there that we don't talk about very much, repent. What does that mean? It sort of means being sorry. I mean, that's part of repentance. But it, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. It's actually saying, I was going in this direction. I'm going to turn around and go this way. I'm sorry. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn around. It's changing direction. United Airlines can say, we're sorry we pulled a man off of the plane. But if they don't repent... If they don't change their policies, if they don't change the direction they're going, then people are going to say, it doesn't mean anything. Your words are useless. That's what repentance is, to change and go a different direction. And that's the idea, saying, you know, God, I, I need your help. I want to repent. I want to turn around. I want to give my life to you. And I'm going to be baptized because you said to. In a minute, we're going to sing, 
And I'll be standing here in the front row. And if, if you've never repented, if you've never been baptized, you can do that today. You can walk out of here wet and super happy. <laughs> That's not in the notes, in case you were wondering. But if you've never responded by giving your life back to, to God and saying thank you for that, then you need to. All of us need to. And it's the most important response you can ever make. It has the potential to change everything, literally everything. So that's the first response, to say yes to God. The second response is to do what the people did, and that's simply this. Tell people. Tell people about the resurrection. Share the good news, the best news. We can have unexpected life. Two years ago, those children talked about an event 2,000 years ago, and man, that is good stuff. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, a lady named Emma Morano died. You might think, I've never heard of Emma Morano. And honestly, every single day on our planet, about 150,000 people die. But Emma was a unique person in this. She was born in the year, wait for it, 1899. 1899. As far as we know, she was the only person born in the 1800s that was still alive. She lived a very long life. But her death reminds us that whether you live to be 17 or 37 or 87 or 117, all of us, unless Jesus comes first, are going to die. And the question is, are we ready for that? We can be. Because when Jesus died, he took our sins upon him. 
And when he rose, he promised and showed that life is a reality. Not only just here, but life forever with God. On Friday, day one, Jesus died. On Saturday, day two, Jesus was in the tomb. And on Sunday, day three, Jesus rose from the grave. Maybe you've already responded by accepting God's gift of life and salvation. And you've experienced the hope of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And you really do want to share that with other people. But you are not sure how to do that with honestly not being really weird or annoying. We understand that. If that's you, next week we have a series just for you. It's called Let's Talk, and we're going to watch a video about it here in just a second. But right now, it's time to respond. Let's simply be still for just a moment and know that God is God. And if God is prompting you to respond in some way, do that. Do that. We're going to be silent for just a few seconds, and then we'll pray together out loud. God, we believe that you've been gently nudging us through your word today. Just as the widow's son was dead, we were dead because of sin, and there's nothing that we could do to help ourselves. But because of your love, you sent Jesus to give his life and give us life, here and forever. And we didn't earn it any more than that young man but may we embrace your gift of unexpected life and share it with others. We believe that Jesus, a great prophet, has appeared among us. We trust that you have come down to earth to help people. May this great news of hope and love spread throughout the whole earth, changing hearts, lives, families, cities, and nations. Give us the courage to respond to what you're doing. And give us the courage to live like Jesus. In his name, amen. If you want to make a public decision, then you can come forward, but let's all decide to take Jesus to the world.